He's my designee. Okay, does the gentleman from California yield to himself? Yes, uh, Madam Speaker, I yield to myself as much time as I may consume. Gentleman's recognized. I thank my colleague, uh, Chairman Nadler. Uh, I thank him for the extraordinary job that he has done uh, as Chairman of the Judiciary Committee and throughout these difficult proceedings. Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans, I rise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. When a man, unprincipled in private life, desperate in his fortune, bold in his temper, possessed of considerable talents, having the advantage of military habits, despotic in his ordinary demeanor, known to have scoffed in private at the principles of liberty, when such a man is seen to mount the hobby horse of popularity, to join in the cry of danger to liberty, to take every opportunity of embarrassing the government, the general government, and bringing it under suspicion, to flatter and fall in with all the nonsense of the zealots of the day, it may justly be suspected that his object is to throw things into confusion, that he may ride the storm and direct the whirlwind. These are the words of Alexander Hamilton, written in 1792. Could we find a more perfect description of the present danger emanating from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? The framers crafted a constitution that contemplated free and fair elections for the highest office in the land, but also afforded the Congress with the power to remove a president who abused the powers of his office for personal gain, who compromised the public trust by betraying our nation's security, or who sought to undermine our democratic system by seeking foreign intervention in the conduct of our elections. I would say that the founders could have little imagined that a single president might have done all of these things, except that the evidence has sadly proved this is exactly what this president has done. Hamilton, among others, seems to have predicted the rise of Donald Trump with a staggering prescience. Having won freedom from a king, the drafters of our Constitution designed a government in which ambition was made to check ambition, in which no branch of government would predominate over another, and no man would be allowed to be above the law, including the president, especially the president, since with whom would the danger be greater than with the officer charged with being our commander-in-chief? Over the course of the last three months, we have found incontrovertible evidence that President Trump abused his power by pressuring the newly elected president of Ukraine to announce an investigation into President Trump's political rival, Joe Biden, with the hopes of defeating Mr. Biden in the 2020 presidential election and enhancing his own prospects for re-election. He didn't even need the investigation to be undertaken, just simply announced to the public the smear of his opponent, the smear of his opponent would be enough. To effectuate this scheme, President Trump withheld two official acts of vital importance to a nation at war with our adversary, Vladimir Putin's Russia. The President withheld a White House meeting that Ukraine desperately sought to bolster its standing on the world stage. And even more perniciously, President Trump suspended hundreds of millions of dollars of military aid approved by this Congress 
to coerce Ukraine into doing his electoral dirty work. The President of the United States was willing to sacrifice our national security by withholding support for a critical strategic partner at war in order to improve his re-election prospects. But for the courage of someone willing to blow the whistle, he would have gotten away with it. Instead, he got caught. He tried to cheat, and he got caught. Now, this wasn't the first time. As a candidate in 2016, Donald Trump invited Russian interference in his presidential campaign, saying at a campaign rally, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. A clear invitation to hack Hillary Clinton's emails. Just five hours later, Russian government hackers tried to do exactly that. What followed was an immense Russian hacking and dumping operation and a social media disinformation campaign designed to help elect Donald Trump. Not only did candidate Trump welcome that effort, but he made full use of it, building it into his campaign plan, his messaging strategy, and then he sought to cover it up. This Russian effort to interfere in our elections didn't deter Donald Trump. It empowered him. The day after special counsel Bob Mueller testified before Congress about Russia's sweeping and systemic effort to influence the outcome of our last election, the day after President Trump believed that the investigation into his first electoral misconduct had come to an end, the president was back on the phone urging yet another country, this time Ukraine, to help him cheat in another election. Three consecutive days in July tell so much of the story. Three consecutive days in July of 2019. July 24th, the day that Special Counsel Mueller testified before Congress and President Trump thought he was finally in the clear. July 25th, the day that President Trump got on the phone with the Ukrainian president and in the context of a discussion about military support for that embattled nation that the president had recently frozen, said, I would like you to do us a favor, though, and asked Ukraine to do two investigations to help his re-election efforts in 2020. That was July 25th. And then we come to July 26th the day Gordon Sondland called President Trump on his cell phone from a restaurant in Ukraine. Gordon Sondland, not some anonymous never-Trumper, but a million-dollar donor to the President's inauguration and his hand-picked ambassador to the European Union. What does President Trump ask Sondland the day after this call? What does President Trump ask? What does the President want to know? Did he ask about Ukraine's efforts to battle corruption? Of course not. Did he ask how the war with Russia was going? Not a chance. On the phone, his voice loud enough for others to hear, President Trump asked Sondland, so he's going to do the investigation? And the answer was clear. Sondland assured Trump that the Ukrainian president was going to do it and that he would do anything you asked him to. 
If that wasn't telling enough, my colleagues, in a conversation that followed, an American diplomat dining with Sondland asked if it was true that President Trump didn't give a blank about Ukraine. Sondland agreed, saying the president cared only about big stuff. The diplomat noted that there was big stuff in Ukraine, like a war with Russia. And Sondland replied that the president cared only about big stuff that benefits him personally, like the Biden investigation that Mr. Giuliani was pushing. In that short conversation, we learned everything we need to know about the 45th president of the United States. He doesn't care about Ukraine or the impact on our national security caused by withholding military aid to that country fighting for its democratic life. All that matters to this president is what affects him personally, an investigation into his political rival and a chance to cheat in the next election. As Professor Gerhardt testified before the Judiciary Committee two weeks ago, if what we're talking about is not impeachable, then nothing is impeachable. Even as this body uncovered the facts of this Ukraine scheme, even as we opened an impeachment inquiry, even as we gathered evidence, President Trump continued his efforts to seek foreign help in the next election. Well, I would think, he said from the White House lawn on October 3rd, that if they're being honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Bidens. It's a very simple answer, he said. And he made it clear it's an open invitation to other nations as well, saying China should start an investigation into the Bidens too. President Trump sent his chief of staff to the White House podium and he told the world that, of course, they had linked aid to investigations and that we should just get over it. And even as these articles have made their way to this House floor, the president's personal attorney has continued pursuing these sham investigations on behalf of his client, the president. The president and his men plot on. The danger persists. The risk is real. Our democracy is at peril. But we are not without a remedy prescribed by the founders for just these circumstances. Impeachment. The only question is, will we use it? Or have we fallen prey to another evil that the founders forewarned? the excess of factionalism, the elevation of party over country. Many of my colleagues appeared to have made their choice to protect the president, to enable him to be above the law, to empower this president to cheat again, as long as it is in the service of their party and their power. They've made their choice, despite this president and the White House stonewalling every subpoena, every request for witnesses, and testimony from this co-equal, co-equal branch of government. They have made their choice, knowing that to allow this president to obstruct Congress will empower him and any other president that follows 
to be as corrupt, as negligent, or as abusive of the power of the presidency as they choose. They have made their choice, and I believe they will rue the day that they did. When Donald J. Trump was sworn in on January 20th, 2017, he repeated these words. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Has he lived up to that sacred obligation? Has he honored his oath of office? Has he preserved, protected, and defended the Constitution of the United States? The uncontested evidence provides the simple yet tragic answer, he has not. In America, no one is above the law. Donald J. Trump sacrificed our national security in an effort to cheat in the next election. And for that, and his continued efforts to seek foreign interference in our elections, he must be impeached. I reserve the balance of my time. Gentleman from North Dakota. Madam Chair, it's nice to see you here, Chairman Schiff. It would have been nice to have either you or the whistleblower present in either the judiciary or the oversight hearings. And I think we're, and I think we're ne ne continuing to neglect the four key facts of this. The transcript is out. Everybody can read it. The American people can read it. There's no conditionality or aid discussed on that call. The two, the two, yes, ma'am. The two principals on that call, President Trump and President Zelensky, have said there is no pressure. President Zelensky has basically screamed from the rooftops on numerous occasions that there was no pressure, no bribery, no quid pro quo. The Ukrainian government got the money and didn't know the aid was being paused, and no investigation was announced, and no meet and a meeting with the president took place, and the aid was released. And with that, I would yield to address the remarks to the chair. And with that, I would yield a minute and a half of my time for my friend from Missouri, Mr. Smith. Gentlemen's recognized for a minute and a half. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Madam Speaker, I come from a state that raises corn and cotton, cockleburs and Democrats. Your frothy eloquence neither convinces nor satisfies me. I'm from the show me state. You have to show me. The only thing that you all have shown so far is that you're about to impeach a duly elected president who has done nothing wrong. Democrats are not impeaching the president because they are scared of our republic or that he has committed a crime. They are impeaching him because they fear the president's policies and how well they are working for the American people. Most of all, they fear the election because they know they can't beat them. In fact, one of my Democrat colleagues is quoted stating, I'm concerned if we don't impeach him, he will get reelected. This kind of rhetoric is disgusting. Impeachment is not a political weapon, and any member who votes for impeachment should be ashamed today. You cannot undo the results of the 2016 election simply because your flawed candidate did not win. And thank God she didn't. Amen. Over the last three years, unemployment has dropped to the lowest point in generations. We are seeing better trade agreements with our trading partners, 
and record numbers of taxes and regulations that stifle economic growth have been rolled back, all thanks to President Trump's leadership and commitment. But we shouldn't be surprised. Democrats have introduced articles of impeachment. Uh, can I have one 30 seconds? We'll yield him 15 seconds. Gentlemen's recognized. This is very important. We shouldn't be surprised. Democrats have introduced articles of impeachment in five out of our last six Republican presidents. They are the party of impeachment. The Democrats are the party of impeachment. Gentlemen yields back. And once again, members are admonished to address their remarks to the chair. Gentleman from California. Thank you, Madam Speaker. It is my pleasure to yield two minutes to the gentleman from California, Mr. Swalwell. Mr. Swalwell is recognized for two minutes. Donald Trump is using the presidency to put his own personal gain above our national interests. He is using our taxpayer dollars and foreign interference to cheat the next election, and it jeopardizes our national security and integrity at the ballot box. And not a single fact in this case is seriously in dispute. I ask my colleagues, who sent his personal lawyer to Ukraine to investigate his political rival? Who fired an ambassador who stood in his way? Who conditioned a White House meeting on investigations that only personally benefited him and not the national interest? Who cut off military aid to an ally that desperately needed it? Who pressured President Zelensky to conduct those investigations? Who stood on the White House lawn and asked not only Ukraine to investigate his rival, but also China? Who has buried evidence and blocked witnesses from testifying? And who is still, today, sending his personal lawyer to Ukraine to dig up dirt and rig an election? The answer to all of these questions is President Donald Trump. This is a crime spree in progress, but we know how to stop it courage. Yes, this investigation has shown us how corrupt President Trump is, but it's also shown us the courage of some of our fellow patriotic civil servants who have used their courage to not only stand up around the world to extinguish corruption, but also to extinguish it at the White House. How? Well, my colleagues argue, no harm, no foul. Ukraine got the aid. Wrong. Trump cheated. Patriots caught him, then Ukraine got the aid. Standing up, turns out, works. Now is the time to summon the courage of those patriots and to summon the courage that they showed against Donald Trump. If they can risk their careers, even their lives, to do the right thing, can my colleagues also do the same? After all, more is on the line than just military aid to an ally. Our national security is at stake. Stand up for that. Our election integrity is at stake. Stand up for that. And our constitution is at stake. Stand up for that. I yield back. Gentleman from North Dakota. Madam Speaker, may I inquire as to the time remaining on each side? The gentleman has one hour and 23 and a fourth minutes remaining. And the gentleman from California has one hour and 18 minutes remaining. I appreciate the detail. And with that, I yield one and a half minutes to the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Johnson. Gentleman's recognized for one and a half minutes. Madam Speaker, this is a sad day for America. This partisan impeachment sham seeks to disenfranchise 63 million 
American voters. So I want to use my time to call on this chamber for members to rise and observe a moment of silent reflection, to give every member here the chance to pause for a moment and remember the voices of the 63 million American voters the Democrats today are wanting to silence. Madam Speaker, disenfranchising 63 million voters gives me 63 million reasons to vote no, and I urge my colleagues to do the same. Gentleman yields back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, it's my pleasure to yield two minutes to Ms. Sewell, the gentlewoman from Alabama. Gentlelady is recognized for two minutes. Madam Speaker, it is with a heavy heart and a profound sense of the gravity of this moment that I rise today in support of the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. To be clear, I did not run for Congress to impeach a president. I came to work every day on behalf of the hardworking people of Alabama's 7th Congressional District. But the facts are uncontested. The truth is clear, and I have been left no other choice. As a member of the Intelligence Committee, I sat in shock, in awe, as witness after witness came forward, their stories painting a clear picture of the President's abuse of power. They testified that the President had direct orders to withhold vital military aid for Ukraine and a White House visit in exchange for investigation into the Bidens. To date, all the military aid has not been released, and there still has been no White House meeting. The bottom line is clear. President Trump endangered our national security and the very essence of our democracy for his own personal political gain. Then President Trump sought to cover it up by subverting the oversight authority of Congress. If presidential abuse of power is left unchecked, we all become accomplices when he does it again. This cannot become the new normal, not on our watch. While President Trump's indefensible action set in motion this event, my vote for impeachment today is not about the president. It is about my oath to defend and protect the Constitution of this United States of America and to make sure that I uphold and honor the sacred trust that my constituents gave me. President Trump has betrayed his oath of office. Let us not betray ours. I yield back the balance of my time. Gentleman from North Dakota. North Dakota. I'm from. Uh, oh, you're back. I'm back. From I'm Georgia. Back. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I'm back. Also noticed some changes around here since we left, and I noticed I have a new manager on the other side, who, as I came back in from getting a quick bite, noticed gave an eloquent defense of his side of this uh, story that we're telling. I just wish we could have had that same eloquent defense before the Judiciary Committee, where he could have been asked questions instead of just giving one side. 
With that, I yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Pennsylvania, Mr. Keller. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Thank you. Madam Speaker, today will forever be remembered as a stain on our republic. These impeachment proceedings are not based upon facts, evidence, reason, or any inappropriate or impeachable actions by our president. Instead, the actions being taken by those favoring impeachment are a product of their disdain for President Trump, his America First agenda, and particularly a disdain by the other party for the 63 million Americans that elected him as president. Again, these articles of impeachment are not based on any facts, but rather on hearsay, presumptions, innuendo, and feelings. Feelings by Democrats and career bureaucrats who have wanted President Trump removed from office since the day he was elected. In defense of the Constitution, I urge all members to oppose both articles of impeachment. It is unclear who will judge those voting for impeachment today more harshly, history or voters. So I want Democrats voting for impeachment today to know that I'll be praying for them. From the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter, verse 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thank you, and I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, uh, my colleagues have referred to patriotic Americans who testified before the Intelligence Committee as career bureaucrats. I want to remind people just who those career bureaucrats are. They're people like Ambassador Bill Taylor, who has served this country for decades, graduated top in his class at West Point, served during Vietnam in combat, earned a Bronze Star. There are people like Colonel Vindman, served in Iraq, earned a Purple Heart. There are people like Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch, served in dangerous places all over the world, one of the most respected of all of our Foreign Service officers. These are the people that my colleagues would pejoratively label as career bureaucrats. And why? Because they have the courage to do their lawful duty, to answer a subpoena, to come and testify. And for this, they're called career bureaucrats. Well, we should have more career bureaucrats of that caliber. I'm pleased to yield one minute to the gentleman from California, Mr. Costa. Gentleman's recognized for one minute. Madam Speaker, I rise with a heavy heart. The two most difficult uh, votes any member of Congress ever has to cast to, to vote to go to war are to impeach. Today, I will vote for the Articles of Impeachment. Over the last few months, I've listened carefully to my constituents. I've weighed all the available information in, to determine whether or not the President committed any wrongdoing. There are disturbing facts from this administration that inform my decision, including the President's own words. His ambassador, ambassador to the European Union testified there was a quid pro quo to withhold aid to Ukraine for an investigation of former Vice President Biden, and that everyone was in the loop. His own national security advisor, John Bolton, said he wanted nothing to do with this drug deal, as he called it. And then the president openly acknowledged that China and Ukraine should investigate Mr. Biden. There's much more evidence pointing to the president violating his own oath of office. I have not made this decision lightly, but I must uphold my own oath of office because I believe the president has failed to uphold his oath of office. The weight of history and my belief in the Constitution of the United States and our own national security interests have led me to this vote, and I yield back the balance of my time. 
Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. It is interesting to say, and I appreciate anybody who would come and give testimony, but it is interesting to see that the same chairman who just spoke eloquently about those who testified would have to actually dismiss completely almost anything by Mr. Volker or Mr. Morrison. But again, I will say, at least they had the ability and the willingness to come and testify, unlike the chairman who wrote a report, sent it to judiciary, and didn't. With that, I yield a minute and a half to the gentlewoman from Texas, Ms. Granger. Gentlelady is recognized for a minute and a half. Madam Speaker, I rise today in strong opposition to the politically driven articles of impeachment that have been brought before the House of Representatives today. For the past three years, Democrats have been unable to accept the voters' choice to elect President Trump. They've used any and all undemocratic and unfair means necessary to try and remove him from office. My vote today is not only against illegitimate impeachment of our president, which began not with facts, but with a foregone conclusion. It is against House Democrats making a mockery of due process and the rule of law. This will not go anywhere in the Senate, so all Democrats have accomplished is postponing the important work of the American people sent there elected officials to Washington to do this endless crusade of Democrats to remove the duly elected president of the United States has put partisan politics above the issues that Americans face today. It's time Democrats, Democrats stop playing partisan games that hurt hardworking taxpayers. It's time for the American people to be Congress priority again. I urge my colleagues to join me in voting no, and I yield back the balance of my time. Gentleman from California. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Uh, I am more than delighted to refer to the testimony of Ambassador Volker and Mr. Morrison. Ambassador Volker, who acknowledged that in retrospect, he should have recognized that when they were calling for investigations of Burisma, it really meant the Bidens, and that to ask a foreign leader to investigate a political rival was wrong. Happy to refer to his testimony, as well as Mr. Morrison, who went to the National Security Council lawyer immediately after he listened to that telephone call, and who also testified that he was informed by Ambassador Sondland that the President wanted Zelensky in a public box, that he wanted him to be forced to go to the mic and announce these sham investigations. Happy to refer to their testimony as well, and now happy to uh, recognize the gentlewoman from California for two minutes, Representative Speer. Gentlelady is recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. My father fled Nazi Germany for America because he saw what happened when a despot became untethered. He fled because he believed in democracy, in the rule of law, and the right to vote. Before he died, he asked to be buried in a simple pine box with an American flag to symbolize his love of this country. Today, we are called upon to do our duty out of love of country. The president stands accused. We must judge him as we judge any of our fellow citizens, on the facts and on the law. The facts show that the president's North Star is Russia, not the Constitution. There is no question that President Trump delayed military aid to Ukraine, our ally, as they were under attack by Russia, our adversary. There is no question the President withheld a meeting with President Zelensky at the White House, giving Russia the upper hand in peace negotiations with Ukraine. There is no question that President Trump promoted the Russian hoax that Ukraine attacked our election in 2016, a canard that has been proven to be a lie, a Russian lie. The only question is his motive. 
The fact is, his conduct and crimes are reprehensible and unquestionably impeachable. When I vote today, my father's legacy is deep, very deep within me. My father loved America, and I love America, and that is why I will vote to impeach the President of the United States. I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I see how this is playing out. Instead of coming to testify for seven or eight hours and answering all questions, we're going to do it in pot shots as we go and taking this. But again, let's talk about Mr. Volcker again. Uh, he never testified that anyone wanted to investigate Vice President Biden. What he did testify to, which was left out, was that they wanted to, to that he, if the Ukrainians doing bad things placed Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma to avoid anything, that needed to be investigated and found out. Let's at least tell the story. Again, had plenty of time to do this in an actual hearing, not here. This is what they want. This is what they've been wanting. The majority has played this the whole time. So we'll play this out as long as they want to. It would have been better, though, if they actually had a case to have made it in the proper setting instead of not coming and not testifying. With that, I yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Weber. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Thank you, Madam Speaker. You know, it's very interesting to hear the socialistic left Democrats that have a newfound appreciation for the Constitution and our founders' principles. Would that those same socialists, Madam Speaker, would afford unborn babies the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as well. Madam Speaker, history tells us the first three impeachments in this country, crimes were involved. Johnson violated a law that Congress had just passed over his veto. Nixon was involved in a cover-up from Watergate. Clinton lied to a federal grand jury and instructed Monica Lewinsky to falsify an affidavit. Crimes. All instances of crimes. Now comes the socialistic leaning D's, in my opinion, Madam Speaker, ostensibly reading the president's minds, knowing what his intent was, and dictating to us and the witnesses that were in the hearings what his mindset was, and that, quite frankly, they didn't believe that he had the right to be in charge of foreign policy. We heard ambassadors, and yes, we heard career bureaucrats, career diplomats, whatever you want to call them. They get to ride the bus. They don't get to drive the bus. The president is in charge of foreign policy. We had, they said that the president had the audacity to, use, audacity to use his judgment on foreign policy instead of theirs. Opinions, opinions, suppositions indeed. The very swamp he is draining is objecting. Who knew, who knew? Today, now during the earlier rule debate, comes the floor manager of the other side from Massachusetts, citing fact, not facts, not facts witnesses, but newspaper articles, CNN, USA Opinions, editorials. Unbelievable, Madam Speaker. Americans are watching. watching. The D's are delusional, deleterious, delirious, and in deep yogurt. I yield back. Gentleman from California. I would just remind my colleagues that Ambassador Volker said that the attacks on Joe Biden were meritless, and he tried to persuade Mr. Giuliani uh, that there was no factual support for them. Proud to recognize the gentleman from Georgia, Mr. Lewis, for two minutes. Gentlemen's recognized for two minutes. Madam Speaker, I want to thank the gentleman for yielding. Madam Speaker, I rise with a heavy heart to support this resolution. When we came to Washington in 1961 to go on the Freedom Rise, we chose that day. When we came here on August 28, 1963, for the March on Washington, it was joyful. We met with a young president, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. 
When we came here on August 6, 1965, for the signing of the Voting Rights Act, we were excited, hopeful. We met with President Lyndon Johnson, but today, this day, we didn't ask for this. This is a sad day. It is not a day of joy. Our nation is founded on the principle that we do not have kings, we have presidents. And the Constitution is our compasses. When you see something that is not right, not just, not fair, you have a moral obligation to set something, to do something. Our children and their children will ask us, what did you do? What did you say? For some, this vote may be hard. But we have a mission and a mandate to be on the right side of history. I yield back the balance of my time. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I always like to be polite, and I do appreciate the gentleman from California confirming everything I just said in my statement just a moment ago. With that, I yield two minutes from the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Winstrom. Gentleman's recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Since 2016, America has seen a pattern of failed and disproven attacks and allegations against President Trump. Today is the fourth impeachment-related vote since President Trump took office. It's yet another attempt to reach their predetermined conclusion of impeachment, on a, a conclusion built on political bias, accusations, and innuendo. These repetitive and false allegations reveal a political obsession disguised as some kind of righteous oversight. When they didn't win at the ballot box, they pursued a Russian collusion narrative that special counsel Robert Mueller had to waste time and taxpayer dollars to prove false. When the Russia collusion malicious deception didn't work, Madam Speaker, Democrats sought a new path forward to impeach President Trump. They created a made-for-TV set of hearings, complete with witness auditions held in the basement of the Capitol. Despite all their efforts, the charges the House considers today lack evidence to support them. There wasn't one witness that said a crime or impeachable offense was committed. Madam Speaker, I remind my colleagues, no crime, no impeachable offense. That's a pretty good defense if you ask me. I will work diligently to further reveal the truths and further reveal the abuses of power, Madam Speaker, that Democrats paid for and enacted during the last three years. Abuses of power from the other side of the aisle within this body and within our FBI. Americans deserve the truth. All in all, history will remember today as the political impeachment that set the precedent for presidents to be impeached every time there's a divided government. I oppose the articles before us today, and I yield back to the other side and their superior imaginations. Gentleman from California. Uh, I'm proud to uh, recognize the gentleman from Illinois, Mr. Quigley, for two minutes. Gentleman's recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Indeed, we are here today because the President of the United States abused his power and betrayed his oath of office. He laid siege to the foundation of our democracy, the electoral process. These actions have posed a direct threat to the freedom and fairness of the upcoming 2020 election. The very day after Robert Mueller testified that Russia had systematically and relentlessly attacked the 2016 election, the President picked up the phone and made his now infamous July 25th call 
to Ukrainian President Zelensky, asking the President Zelensky on that call to, quote, do us a favor, though, and announce investigations into his political rival, Joe Biden. We have since learned from numerous National Security Council and State Department officials the President did not even expect Ukraine to open these investigations. Rather, he just wanted them announced so he could smear his rival. Rather than trusting the voters to decide who, could hold, who should hold the White House, he again sought the aid of a foreign country to tip the scales in favor again. After Russia's unprecedented interference, a dark cloud hung over the 2016 election, and instead of leading the American people out from under the cloud, the President instead, emboldened by perceived lack of consequence, attempted to pressure Zelensky to interfere in the 2020 election. After a courageous whistleblower came forward and warned Congress and the public about the President's scheme, the President stood on the White House lawn in front of TV cameras broadcasting around the world and called for China to interfere too. Some of my colleagues have asked, why not wait? Why are we proceeding? That's very simple. Because nothing could be more urgent. We are on the precipice of the 2020 election, and Congress has ultimate responsibility to protect the sacred equalizer, our right to vote. To defend the integrity of our elections and to fulfill our duty to the Constitution, I will be voting in favor of impeachment today, and I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. At this point, I yield one minute to the gentleman from Colorado, Mr. Lamborn. Gentleman is recognized for one minute. Madam Speaker, Madam Speaker, anyone, anyone watching this impeachment sound and fury signifying nothing should look out for three misrepresentations the Democrats are making. One, Trump endangered national security. No, the 55-day delay did not stop the Ukrainians from defending themselves. Trump actually gave them lethal aid, which Obama never did. During Obama's negligence, Democrats said nothing. Two, Trump is not above the law. No one is, but why don't the Democrats tell us what law he broke? They can't because he didn't break any. So Democrats have resorted to two vague and subjective articles, abuse of power and obstruction of justice. And three, the evidence is not in dispute. No, the evidence is very much in dispute. In fact, for every statement Democrats cherry pick to indict Trump, many more statements back up the president. In reality, this is nothing but a partisan ploy by Democrats to overturn an election. But this charade will fail, and the Senate will exonerate Trump, and everyone knows it. Gentleman yields back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, I'm proud to, uh, to recognize the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Castro, for two minutes. Gentleman is recognized for two minutes. Thank you. As my colleagues have said, the evidence of the President's abuse of power and obstruction of Congress is uncontested. But let's outline a few key events involving the nearly $400 million in military aid that was held up by President Trump and for President Trump despite congressional mandate. The summer of 2019 was the summer of shame at the White House. On July 3rd, the White House first blocks security assistance money for Ukraine with no explanation. On July 10th, Gordon Sondland states during a White House meeting with Ukrainian officials that they will get a White House meeting only after announcing an investigation into President Trump's political rival. On July 18th, a White House staffer announces the freeze on Ukrainian aid per direct presidential order. And just one day after Robert Mueller's testimony before Congress, President Trump makes the now infamous phone call with Zelensky, asking him to investigate the Bidens. Then, things start to fall apart. See, the White House learns that a whistleblower 
has reported President Trump's phone call with President Zelensky in a complaint. And on September 9th, Congress starts to investigate the President's actions. And then the jig is up. On September 11th, the aid is suddenly released without explanation over two months later. When you read the call transcript and follow the timeline I've laid out, guilty is guilty. Nothing changed during that time regarding the President's supposed concerns over corruption. So let's be clear. The military aid was released because the President got caught. But getting caught doesn't get you off the hook. And I ask my colleagues, is attempted murder a crime? Is attempted robbery a crime? Is attempted extortion and bribery by a president a crime? Yes, it is. And the only question now is whether we will find the moral, moral courage to stand up for our country and impeach the president of the United States. I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. At this time, I yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Alabama, Mr. Palmer. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Madam Speaker, I rise in opposition to the impeachment of President Trump. Today is a day that diminishes the reputation and stature of the United States House of Representatives, a day I never dreamed I'd see. Today, my Democrat colleagues seek to overturn an election by forcing a vote that will forever be a stain on this Congress. They are not just voting to impeach President Trump. My colleagues are voting to impeach the judgment of every person who voted for him and the process by which we elect a president and by which we will govern our nation. My Democrat colleagues claim the Russians influenced the outcome of the 2016 election, but based on their corrupt impeachment proceedings, it appears my colleagues have been influenced by how Russia conducts political trials. No real evidence, no real crime, no due process, and no justice. The Democrats have failed to show any legitimate justification for the impeachment of President Trump. When they could not find real evidence, they made it up, called it a parody. They conducted most of the hearings in secret. They instructed witnesses not to answer Republican members' questions, and they denied Republicans our right to call witnesses, making it absolutely clear their objective was from the beginning pathetically political. We all understand that elections have consequences. To all my colleagues, Democrat and Republicans alike, this day will surely have consequences as well as we descend into more disrespect, distrust, and even contempt that will eventually be destructive of this chamber, and I fear eventually our republic. I urge all members to vote no on impeachment. I yield back. Gentleman from California. I thank the speaker. Uh, very quickly, my colleagues have made repeated reference to some secret proceedings in some secret star chamber. Uh, this is apparently what they call depositions. I remind my colleagues that when they were in the majority, they conducted depositions, but they were different in this respect. In the depositions we conducted in the Intelligence Committee, over 100 members were able to participate. That's how secret they were. We revealed all of the transcripts of those depositions. The repetition of this falsehood does not make it true. It only makes the falsehood that much more deliberate. With that, I am pleased to recognize the gentleman from Michigan, Mr. Amash, for two minutes. Gentlemen's recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I rise today in support of these articles of impeachment. I come to this floor not as a Democrat, not as a Republican, but as an American who cares deeply about the Constitution, the rule of law, and the rights of the people. Under our system of government, impeachment is not about policy disagreements or ineffective governance. 
nor is it about criminality based on statutes that did not exist at the time our Constitution was written. Impeachment is about maintaining the integrity of the office of the presidency and ensuring that executive power is directed toward proper ends in accordance with the law. The Constitution grants the House the sole power of impeachment and the Senate the sole power to try all impeachments. We in the House are empowered to charge impeachable conduct. The Constitution describes such conduct as high crimes and misdemeanors but it, because it pertains to high office and relates to the misuse of that office. We need not rely on any other branch or body to endorse our determinations. We have the sole power of impeachment. In Federalist Number 65, Alexand Alexander Hamilton wrote that high crimes and misdemeanors, quote, are those offenses which proceed from the misconduct of public men, or in other words, from the abuse or violation of some public trust. They are of a nature which may, with peculiar propriety, be denominated political as they relate chiefly to injuries done immediately to the society itself, end quote. President Donald J. Trump has abused and violated the public trust by using his high office to solicit the aid of a foreign power, not for the benefit of the United States of America, but instead for his personal and political gain. His actions reflect precisely the type of conduct the framers of the Constitution intended to remedy through the power of impeachment, and it is our duty to impeach him. I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Undoubtedly, the House Resolution 660 does not matter to the majority, and particularly the manager of this bill, because the Inspector General, I see, his transcript has not been released. There's not been documents transferred that were supposed to be transferred to the White House, and we're still not sure we got everything we're supposed to get in Judiciary Committee. I guess when you want to be transparent and open, you hold it in a skiff and do whatever you want. With that, I yield two minutes to the gentleman from Florida, Mr. Stubbe. Gentleman's recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. This impeachment charade did not start with a whistleblower complaint. The campaign to impeach a duly elected president and overturn the will of 63 million Americans started 19 minutes after the president took the oath of office. 19 minutes after the inauguration, the Washington Post published a story headline, the campaign to impeach President Trump has begun. The first day of this Congress on day one, a Democratic member of my class called for the impeachment of the president long before the call to the Ukraine. Then it was the Russia collusion hoax, then obstruction of justice, then bribery, then quid pro quo, none of which are included in these articles before us today. The first article of impeachment crafted as a fiction is not an enumerated basis in the Constitution for impeachment. The Democratic majority would have you believe that abuse of power is a high crime or misdemeanor. It's not. It's an opinion. It's not even a crime that can be charged in a court of law. Unlike Presidents Nixon and Clinton who were tried for actual crimes, this president is being impeached on vague phrases that appear nowhere in our Constitution. The second article, obstruction of Congress, again, doesn't exist in the Constitution as a basis for impeachment and is attempting to impeach a duly elected president for asserting constitutionally based privileges that have been asserted on a bipartisan basis by administrations of both political parties throughout our nation's history. This House is impeaching a president over a phone call to another world leader, a few lines in a phone transcript that have been completely and utterly misrepresented by the majority. The process that ensued was anything but open, transparent, bipartisan, or, or equitable, abandoning all past historical due process afforded the minority and the president. The Democrats ran a partisan investigation, refusing the rights of the minority, refusing the ability for the president's counsel to call witnesses, refusing to allow the president's counsel to cross-examine fact witnesses, and refusing a minority he hearing day, just to name a few. The majority waves around a report drafted 
that they can talk, that the Democratic staff concocted as a matter of fact. When they needed backup for their approach, they paraded out liberal professors with animus against the president who gave them license to impeach the president for any reason they wish. House Democrats are making themselves kings in a manner far worse and more obvious than what they are accusing the president of doing. The only abuse of power here is the Democratic-led Congress. I yield back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, I'm proud to yield one minute to Mr. Cisneros, the gentleman from California. Gentleman's recognized for one minute. Thank you, Madam Speaker. When I was 18 years old, I joined the United States Navy and took the oath to support and defend the Constitution for the first time. I took that oath again earlier this year as a member of Congress. And every day, I work hard to live by that oath and give the 39th District the representation it deserves. I have always maintained that impeachment is a serious undertaking and must be done with incredible care. When the unprecedented allegations against the President and his interactions with Ukraine were first reported, I felt it was Congress's duty to investigate and find out the truth. And now the facts are before Congress and the American people. The President betrayed his oath to support and defend the Constitution by attempting to undermine the integrity of our election for his own personal benefit. He asked a foreign government to investigate a political rival and endangered our national security by withholding military aid to an ally. For me, it's not about personal politics or party affiliation. It's about upholding my oath to put our country and our Constitution first and protect our national security. This is why I will vote to move forward with the impeachment of the President. I hope all my colleagues will join me in recognizing this grave threat and stand up to this administration in defense of our country and our Constitution. With that, I yield back the balance gentleman of my time. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Tennessee, Mr. Kostoff. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Madam Speaker, going back almost three years to when the President was sworn into office, we've seen some members on the other side of the aisle pledging and promising to impeach President Trump. Prior to the start of this inquiry, Speaker Pelosi claimed that the impeachment must be compelling, overwhelming, and bipartisan. The impeachment inquiry was announced less than three months ago, and what we know is that the process has been fast, faulty, and flawed. What we've witnessed since September 24th when the inquiry was announced is that the evidence we've seen is not compelling, it's not overwhelming, and the process is undoubtedly and unquestionably not bipartisan. I'm viewing this through the lens of a former United States attorney, and as we take this vote, Here's the bottom line for the American people. There was no bribery. There was no extortion. There was no quid pro quo. There were no high crimes and misdemeanors committed by the President. And I yield back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, I now recognize the gentlewoman from California, Ms. Chu, for one minute. Gentlelady is recognized for one minute. Madam Speaker, we know that President Trump withheld needed military aid to Ukraine. We know that he used it to demand Ukraine interfere in the 2020 election for his own benefit. And we know that Ukraine knew. None of these facts have been disputed. Instead, the White House has tried to hide the truth. But the president is not above the law. Nobody is. Corruption and obstruction. The president is guilty of both. The blatant abuse of power was made clear from over 100 hours of testimony before three committees and was clear in the call summary released by the White House. The obstruction has been made clear by the President's refusal to cooperate at every turn, even when ordered 
by a court. Setting a precedent that any president can abuse their power to interfere in our elections is an existential threat to our democracy. It's also a betrayal of the oath of office and the Constitution. Therefore, in fulfillment of my own oath of office, it's with solemn purpose today that I vote to impeach President Donald Trump. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. At this time, I yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Gibbs. Gentleman's no. recognized for a minute and a half. Thank you. Madam Speaker, Democrats started with quid pro quo. That didn't work so well. Then it was bribery, extortion. Then they brought their witnesses in, and not one could answer if they saw any evidence of bribery, extortion, or any crime when questioned. It was just silence. Then the witnesses, they always testified, I heard this from heard this from her, so-and-so and so. When the Democrats brought their star witness in, Ambassador Sutherland, when asked, he said, I presume the aid was held up. I presumed? Testimony was all hearsay, conjecture, and assumptions. So now it's abuse of power with no underlying crime, which is opinion. Abuse of power to the Democrats is they don't like his policies or he treated a reporter harshly. Obstruction of Congress. You know, there are three co-equal branches of government. When the executive branch and the legislative branch have an impasse, that's when the judicial branch intervenes. They didn't do that. The Democrats didn't stop that, that route. Every president, including George Washington, could have been impeached based on these factless articles. There is no crime, there is no victim, as Ukraine received their aid before September 30th deadline, and no witnesses that witnessed anything. This isn't about the rule of law. It's politics at its worst. It's disgraceful. It's time to end this charade and scam on the American people. I urge everybody to vote no on these articles of impeachment. I yield back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, happy to remind my colleagues of uh, Ambassador Sondland's testimony. He posed the question, was there a quid pro quo? The answer is yes. When he was asked about a quid pro quo involving the military aid, he said it was as clear as two plus two equals four. I'm pleased to yield one minute to Ms. Schakowsky, the gentlewoman from Illinois. Gentlelady is recognized for one minute. It is my adult son, Ian Schakowsky, whom I will always credit for my decision last June to support an impeachment inquiry. It had never been my goal to impeach a president, but Ian made such a compelling case. He reminded me of the oath I have taken 11 times now to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. He said, Mom, this is not about politics. This is not about party. And pushing back against my arguments, he said, this has nothing to do with the final outcome. It's about doing the right thing, even if others don't. He made me see that it was about my legacy, my modest place in history. I want to thank you, my son, for helping me do the right thing today, to vote to impeach the President of the United States, Donald Trump, because no American is above the law. And I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam uh, Speaker. I also would like to remind the gentleman from California, Mr. Sondland, also said he had no direct evidence. He presumed that that was going on. I guess we're back to presumption again. Without a minute and a half to the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Flores. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Madam Speaker. On March 11th of this year, the Speaker of the House said the following in an interview with the Washington, in the Washington Post, quote, 
Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think that we should go down that path because it divides the country, unquote. I think most Americans would agree with that statement because it sounds thoughtful and reasonable. So here we are today to vote on the articles of impeachment. How did the majority party do in meeting the objectives set, set forth by the speaker? Here are the answers. First, the only compelling attribute about this sham is the lengths the majority has gone to, to appease the radical socialist wing of their party. Second, the, over, the only overwhelming feature about this sham is the abuse of power by the majority and the reckless disregard for fairness by the majority throughout this entire circus. And finally, the only bipartisan activity related to this sham will be the votes against these flimsy articles of impeachment. I ask my colleagues to, to join me in opposing these deplorable articles of impeachment and to demand that the House get back to working on the priorities that hardworking families care about the most. I yield back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, proud to recognize Mr. Ruppersberger for one minute. The gentleman from Maryland. Gentleman's recognized for one minute. Yes, Madam Speaker, uh, I spent 12 years on the House Intelligence Committee, including for as ranking member. My bipartisan cooperation with the Republican chairman was widely recognized. When it comes to national security, there's no room for bipartisan politics. All 17 witnesses, mostly Trump appointees, told the same story during the Intelligence Committee hearings, each testifying that our Commander-in-Chief jeopardized American national security for the sake of his re-election. The President held hostage military aid for the fight against a common enemy, Russia. He willfully obstructed Congress's constitutionally prescribed impeachment powers. Over the last two years, I resisted calls to begin impeachment proceedings. And I resent those who say this is about reversing the election. This isn't about whether or not you like Trump. It's about upholding our Constitution. Allowing this contact to go unquestioned sets a dangerous precedent and permanent damages our system of checks and balances. No one is above the law. President Trump's actions are clear threat to our national security and dem democracy. We must uphold our oath of office and support these articles. I yield back the balance of my time. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Michigan, Mr. Wahlberg. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I rise today in strong opposition to these baseless articles of impeachment. Our founding fathers never intended impeachment to be a one-sided political weapon. Sadly, the majority has reduced this serious constitutional action to a purely partisan tactic to take down President Trump. History will not be kind to the vote today. It will be remembered as a rushed process that lacks credibility or transparency with a predetermined outcome that puts a premium on political theater instead of facts. By any objective standard, the Democrats' impeachment case is the thinnest imaginable. There's no impeachable offense before us today. It's a complete and total sham. I close not by quoting a president from the past, but rather from the duly elected President Donald Trump. To my Democrat colleagues through you, Madam Speaker, you are the ones interfering in America's election. You are the ones subverting America's democracy. You are the ones obstructing justice. You are the ones bringing pain and suffering to our republic for your own selfish, personal, political, and partisan gain. 
These are hard words, I know. But that is the sad reality of this entire process. I will proudly vote no today, a vote that upholds our Constitution, defends our President, and preserves the pillars of our nation's democracy. And now I yield back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, I recognize the gentleman from Arizona, Mr. Grijalva, for one minute. Gentleman is recognized for one minute. I will vote in favor of impeachment today. The facts are irrefutable, and the ongoing obstruction and cover-up is shameful. You know, my parents came here as immigrants, and I'm proud to live in a nation that rewarded their hard work by providing a better future for my sisters and I. And as a first-generation American, and now a member of Congress, a story like mine is only made possible by a nation that upholds the rule of law and truly lives out the values enshrined in our Constitution. Mona and I are blessed with three wonderful daughters and five grandkids. Because of this living legacy and the legacy I intend to pass on to my grandchildren, my vote today is rooted in protecting their future. The underpinnings for impeachment are real and historic. Trump has perverted the rule of law, abused his power, and engaged in a cover-up. No amount of misdirection, lies, disinformation, tantrums, and cries of victimization by Trump and others can undo the abuse of power and obstruction of Congress that remain clear and present. The President leaves us no choice but to vote to impeach so that we can protect our democracy and correct the damage that's already done. I will vote in favor of impeachment of Donald J. Trump, not as a partisan act, but as a serious, urgent, and necessary one. And I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield one minute to the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Brady. Gentleman's recognized for one minute. 21 years ago this week, I spoke here on impeachment. In this, sadly, history will not treat Democrats well. They'll be forever remembered as the Senator Joe McCarthy's of our time. So blinded by their hatred of President Trump, they abandoned American rights of due process and fairness and just decency. Reminiscent of Joe McCarthy, they assaulted the Constitution, took glee in secret hearings, blocked evidence, and switched charges like rogue prosecutors. Ultimately, they chose abuse of power because they practice it so well. President Trump committed no crime or impeachable offense, none. His legacy won't be stained. Democrats will. We'll look back at these days in, si in shame because Trump haters in Congress like red, red haters of the past, are willing to plunge America into darkness for raw political gain. This impeachment betrays the nation, the Constitution, and the American people. I vote no. Gentleman yields back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, I recognize the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Doggett, for one minute. Gentleman is recognized for one minute. Tyranny rarely appears full barn. It arises, it encroaches as freedom ebbs. Our nation's great founders sought to protect us from tyranny with a carefully crafted system of checks and balances. But now along comes a president who actually says he's constitutionally empowered to do whatever he wants, that he can neither be prosecuted nor even investigated for any crime, and that he can totally ignore any impeachment proceeding of which he disapproves. These are the claims of a wannabe tyrant who has extolled the virtues of tyrants and autocrats from Manila to Moscow. To advance tyranny, he adopts an open border policy 
inviting foreigners to come into our country and intrude in our elections. Foreign nations have their own agendas, especially adversaries like Russia and China. American citizens should be the only ones determining the fate of America. If the President continues demanding more foreign interference, we will never have truly free elections and we will not be free. We act today recognizing the solemn responsibility to safeguard our security and constitution. We pledge allegiance to the flag and the republic for which it stands, not to one man who would be king. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Before I call my next uh, speaker, can I get a time check from the speaker? The gentleman from Georgia has one hour, three, three and a quarter minutes remaining. The gentleman from California has 57 and a quarter minutes remaining. That was one hour and three minutes, three and a quarter minutes, three and a quarter one minutes. hour and three and a quarter minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I couldn't hear. I apologize. Thank you. For that, I'll now yield one minute to the gentleman uh, from one minute and a half to the gentleman from Georgia, Mr. Allen. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Uh, thank you to my friend from Georgia, and thank you for your great work in, uh, in dealing with, uh, with this very sad day in our country. Uh, today, for the third time, third time in our nation's history, a president uh, will be impeached. Uh, this will be, however, the first time impeachment has been entirely partisan and without merit. This charade is not because President Trump is guilty of a high crime or misdemeanor, but because one political party doesn't like him or his policies of America first. The facts are we have a divided government and House Democrats are at war with the executive branch. Fact two, they have been planning for this day since President Trump took office. Fact three, they accused the president first and then have spent months looking for a crime. Fact four, but no evidence has been presented of an impeachable offense. During one of the partisan hearings, a member of this body asked if President Trump had evidence of his innocence. Why didn't he bring it forward? The Democrats want Americans to believe that our president is guilty until he proves himself innocent? This whole process is unconstitutional. Today, we've heard both sides, but we need to get the truth. And the truth is the decision of who should be our president should be made by the American people. Not Speaker Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and House, House Democrats. Thank you, and I yield back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, I recognize the gentleman from New York, Mr. Engel, Chairman Engel, for three minutes. Gentleman's recognized for three minutes. I thank my friend, Mr. Speaker. As chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, I have to say that this is a sad day. No one is gleeful that the President's actions have brought us to this point, but when you boil it down, we're here today because the President abused the power of his office to help his chances at re-election. He used the enormous weight of the presidency and American foreign policy to push a foreign government to smear a political rival, and he got caught. Why is this conduct so serious? Why has the President's behavior pushed the House of Representatives to exercise one of its most consequential constitutional responsibilities? Because corrupting an American election, particularly in cahoots with a foreign power, means corrupting American democracy. Our elections are at the heart of our democracy, the foundation of what makes our system of government great, 
our republic, if we can keep it, as Benjamin Franklin once said. If our elections aren't fair, then our republic cannot stand. Anyone who tries to fix an election is taking away the power of the American people to choose their leaders. If it happens at any level of government, it's toxic to our democracy. And this came from the highest level. In this case, it's even more serious, because what was the president willing to give up for this advantage? What price was he willing to pay? The price was on national security. When the president devised a shadow foreign policy that undermined our diplomacy and, and diplomats, when he held back assistance for Ukraine, who was embroiled in a war against Russia, when he pressured a foreign government to interfere in our elections, again, he sacrificed our security. He shook the faith of a loyal ally. He played right into the hands of Vladimir Putin. He weakened our country all because he thought it might help his reelection bid. Only the president has that power to corrupt our foreign policy for political gain. And the moment he chose to do so, the moment he, did, he undermined our sec security in a scheme to undermine our democracy, whether he succeeded or not, and thank God he did not, at that moment it became an abuse of power. And a president who abuses his power for personal gain is exactly what the framers feared. It's why impeachment is in the Constitution. So we need to pass these articles. The president's actions have left us no choice. He cannot be allowed to undermine our democracy and tear apart the fabric that holds our country together. So I will vote for impeachment, and I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. At this time, I yield two minutes to the gentleman from uh, Florida, Mr. Getz, a member of the Judiciary Committee. Two minutes. Two minutes. Gentleman's recognized for two minutes. This is not about the Ukraine. It's about power. Donald Trump has it, and House Democrats want it. And so with no crime, no victim, no evidence, no proof, no agenda for America, this impeachment charade marches on following no rules and adhering to no sense of honor. The American people aren't fooled by dirty tricks. Voters will never forget that Democrats have been triggered into impeaching the president because they don't like him and they don't like us. Those who vote yes on today's articles of impeachment must carry the heavy burden of shame and guilt for as long as they serve in Congress, which won't be long because the American people will remember in November. Democrats would rather trip the president just to see him stumble than see America succeed. They'd rather impeach the president than work together for the common good of our country and our citizens. Democrats may have won the House in 2018, but they haven't forgiven Donald Trump for having the audacity to win the presidency. And they haven't forgiven you, the American people, for voting for him. The day before she was sworn into Congress, one member of the body said she promised to impeach the mother effer. She's not alone. Trump's impeachment was plotted and planned before the ink was even dry on his election certificate, and possibly before some Democrats could even point to the Ukraine on a map. In seeking the chairmanship of the Judiciary Committee, the gentleman from New York said that he was the strongest member to lead a potential impeachment. Democrats may not have known why they were going to impeach the president, but they knew it was an inevitability. Facts be damned. This impeachment is a slap in the face to the millions of Americans who voted for President Trump, the same Americans that Democrats in Washington have mocked as smelly Walmart shoppers and deplorables. This impeachment isn't legitimate. It's the radical left's insurance policy. But we have an insurance policy, too. It's the next election, and we intend to win it. I yield back. Gentleman from California. 
Madam Speaker, I recognize the gentleman from Vermont, Mr. Welch, for two minutes. Gentleman's recognized for two minutes. Madam Speaker, we, the people, have a common tie that binds us together now as it has since the founding of our country. And it's our shared respect for the Constitution of the United States. Let us all step back from the maelstrom of the moment to recall that our country's inception 243 years ago, the concept was a breathtaking and idealistic aspiration. And when the 13 American colonies boldly rejected the rule of a British monarch, our founders were determined to form a government that would rule instead with the consent of the governed. Ensuring that this noble experiment endured through the ages was an enormous existential challenge. It was met with the adoption of the Constitution in 1788. And at its heart are two bedrock principles that have served as touchstones for our country ever since. First, it established America as a nation of laws where no person is above the law. Second, it established the concept of a separation of powers where three co-equal branches of government would check each other, lest power be concentrated in one at the expense of liberty to all. Mr. S Madam Speaker, when President Trump abused the power of off his office by soliciting foreign interference in the upcoming election for his personal benefit, he willfully infringed upon the right of citizens to decide who will lead our nation. And in doing so, he placed himself above the law and in violation of his oath. And when he denounced, denied, and defied the clear authority of Congress to investigate his conduct, he repudiated our constitutional system of checks and balances and further violated his oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. And it is for these reasons I will cast my vote in favor of impeaching President Donald John Trump. I yield back. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield two minutes to the gentleman from Arizona, Mr. Biggs. Gentleman's recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Some of my colleagues across the aisle have said, hey, where are the facts? As if we have the burden of proof. It's your burden of proof, Madam Chair. It's the Democrats' burden of proof. But the facts are unchanged. The Ukraine received the aid that they were promised and appropriated for. The aid was lawfully dispersed. In fact, it was dispersed within the time limits set by this Congress. If you wanted it set before, uh, sent to them before September 30th, 2019, should have put that in the legislation. You did not. The Ukrainians gave nothing in return. The Ukrainians' president said he felt no pressure, no coercion, no duress, no conditionality. But what changed? On the day that the aid was released, two anti-corruption measures were signed into law by the Ukrainian president, Mr. Uh, president Zelensky. Democrats have manufactured this sham and then argue that refusing to cooperate is impeachable. The Supreme Court is currently considering the extent of executive privilege when fighting dubious subpoenas. But instead of taking their process to court or waiting for the court to rule on the pending case, the Democrats chose to press forward because simply they said, we don't want to wait. We don't have time, they say. But failing to do so is an abuse of power of this institution that will have grave consequences for our republic. Now, when the other side claims they proceed with soberness, I'm bemused by media reports that indicate they have been admonished not to do a jig today when they win the vote, which we know they will. 
I am struck that solemnity of process shouldn't need to have an admonition against levity. This process has been partisan, vindictive, dishonest. In this impeachment, Democrats have lied about the conduct of the July 25th call, met secretly with the whistleblower, held Soviet-style hearings behind closed doors where the Judiciary Committee, the Committee of Jurisdiction, could not attend, blocked the President's counsel from participating in the fact-finding portion of the Inquisition. It has been a sham from start to finish, and I yield back. Gentleman from California. Madam Speaker, I recognize Mr. Scott for a unanimous consent request. Gentleman's recognized. Madam Speaker, I ask unanimous consent to revise and extend remarks in favor of both articles of impeachment. Without objection. Gentlemen. Madam Speaker, I recognize Mr. Carson, the Congressman from Indiana, for two minutes. Gentleman's recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Chair, and thank you, Madam Speaker. You know, Madam Speaker, as we continue and consider this historic impeachment vote, let's be clear that the President's actions seriously jeopardize not only America's national security, but the security of our closest allies. His actions threaten the goals of the U.S.-led NATO alliance. You see, Ukraine is a nation working hard to make its democracy stronger. And make no mistake, Ukraine is on the front lines of Russian aggression. Thankfully, U.S. military aid helps Ukraine defend itself against Russia and integrate itself into the European community. When our European allies are stronger, America is stronger. We are better equipped to promote democracy and put a stop to tyranny. But to President Trump, strengthening this valuable national security objective, Madam Speaker, was not as important as smearing a political rival. Madam Speaker, we know that he held nearly $400 million of aid to Ukraine until President Zelensky agreed to help him dig up dirt on his potential 2020 opponent. This aid was approved by Congress with strong bipartisan support. President Trump's actions hurt American diplomacy and undermine the integrity of our nation's promises to our allies. We will not allow our leaders to trade away our national security. We cannot allow Russia's continued threats to democracy go unanswered. And we must not allow our own president of these United States to get away with breaking his own oath of office. Madam Speaker, that is why we take this solemn but necessary vote to impeach. Thank you. Now yield back the balance of my time. Gentleman from Georgia. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield a minute and a half to the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Latta. For, for what period? Minute and a half. Gentleman's recognized for a minute and a half. Thank you, Madam Speaker. This is a sad day for our country, one that our forefathers warned us against. We have watched this illegitimate impeachment process unfold while making a mockery of our constitutional duties. House Democrats have conducted the most polarizing impeachment process in our nation's history, and the men and women I represent are tired of this Democrat-run House putting political games above our nation's national interest. House Democrats held secret meetings, withheld important documents, del deliberately misrepresented information to the public, and did not give due process to the President. This investigation was unfair, and the American people expect more out of Congress. 
The articles of impeachment are not based on facts, but instead are entirely politically motivated. The truth is there was no pressure put on President Zelensky, and the transcripts confirm that there was no conditionality. This inquiry has been rigged from the start, lacking fairness, transparency, and truth. It has been a waste of taxpayers' dollars and is based off the opinion of an unnamed whistleblower and hearsay. The accusations in today's proceedings do not align with the facts. This impeachment process is out of step with existing precedent for presidential impeachment proceedings and is not a process I will support. I urge my colleagues to put country first and vote in opposition to the articles of impeachment. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I yield back. General Yields, the gentleman from California is recognized. I thank the gentleman. Uh, it is now my pleasure to recognize the gentlelady from New York. Uh, Chairwoman Maloney is recognized for three minutes. Gentlewoman from New York is recognized. Mr. Speaker. I rise today in support of the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. President Trump abused the power of his office for his own personal and political gain at the expense of our national security. President Trump's wholesale obstruction of Congress is unprecedented, indisputable, and impeachable. President Trump is the first president in history to openly and completely defy all aspects of the constitutional impeachment process. In an attempt to cover up his abuse of power, he ordered the entire executive branch not to participate in the inquiry and directed it to defy lawful subpoenas from Congress. As chairwoman of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, I find this obstruction particularly offensive. Even, even President Nixon accepted Congress's impeachment authority and allowed his aides and advisors to produce the documents to Congress. And President Nixon allowed current and former staff to testify in both the House impeachment and the Senate Watergate investigations, including his chief of staff and White House counsel. By contrast, President Trump, without any legal basis, directed current and former officials not to cooperate with the House's inquiry, which resulted in nine administration officials defying subpoenas for testimony. And in response to the House's inquiry, President Trump refused to turn over even one single, not one single document to Congress in response to lawful subpoenas. Put simply, President Trump's actions are even worse than Nixon's. Let me repeat, President Trump's actions are even worse than Nixon's. Our founding fathers established a system of checks and balances that spread out power between the branches of government. They decided that no one would be a king, that no one is above the law, including the president. And they gave the responsibility of impeachment solely to the people's house. When President Trump defies our subpoenas and obstructs our impeachment inquiry, he seeks to place himself above the Constitution and above the law. We cannot let that stand. And if we do, then that's the end of Congress 
as a co-equal branch of government, and we've allowed President Trump to elevate himself above the law. It is our solemn duty under the Constitution to impeach President Trump for his blatant abuse of power and his obstruction of Congress. I yield back. Gentlewoman from New York yields. Gentleman from California reserves. Gentleman from Georgia is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield one minute to the gentleman from Arkansas, Mr. Womack. Gentleman from Arkansas is recognized. I thank the gentleman for giving me this moment. Madam or Mr. Speaker, years from now, history books will tell of this day. It will tell of a purely partisan effort to remove the President of the United States. An effort not built on a high crime or misdemeanor, not on a process in keeping with a high American standard of due process and equal treatment. This effort is rooted only in the governing party's hatred of a man elected President of the United States. Members on the other side of the aisle have been in pursuit of this moment since 2016. They are consumed by it. Earlier in this debate, one of our colleagues referred to our president as a domestic enemy. Our founders warned us about this day. That is why our nation has entrusted the future of the country with the outcome of elections, not the will of a party filled with contempt for a duly elected president. My hope is that when the historians write about this day, it is not written in the context of a nation that lost its way because its elected members chose hateful partisanship over the sacred oath that has protected this great republic since its founding. And I yield back. Gentlemen from Arkansas yields. Gentlemen from Georgia Reserve. Gentlemen from California is recognized. Speaker, it's, I'm proud to recognize the gentleman from New Jersey, Mr. Malinowski, for one minute. Gentleman from New Jersey is recognized. Mr. Speaker, in America, when we call the fire department or enroll our children in school, we do not expect a government official to say to us, I need you to do us a favor, though. Why would we tolerate a president using his awesome power to make foreign policy when the safety of our country is at stake, not for the people, but for himself? I will vote to impeach today because President Trump did just that when he shook down a foreign country to criminally investigate his political rival. If we fail to say that this was wrong, then any president will be free to ask a foreign power, be it Russia, China, or Iran, to help him hurt his political enemies at home. And every foreign tyrant and kleptocrat will know that America's foreign policy can be bought by doing our president a political favor. If you believe that our highest duty is to protect America, then search your conscience and ask, do you want our future presidents to behave as this one has done? Do not whisper in the shadows of the Capitol that you disapprove and then defend that conduct here today. Do your duty, keep your oath, defend your country the as will time I. Expired. Gentleman from California Reserve, gentleman from Georgia is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. At this time, I yield one minute to the gentleman from South Carolina, Mr. Wilson. Gentleman from South Carolina is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Over a month ago, on November the 14th, I spoke on the impeachment hoax with points true then and still true today. After over a month of secret investigations into the administration, Democrats have now decided to open these controlled hearings to the public. 
This continues the deception by Democrats to mislead the American people. It's insulting. No Republican witnesses, no counsel by the President to participate in full exoneration by courageous President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine. It is said that instead of focusing on funding our military through the National Defense Authorization Act passed only last week, or passing the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement to create jobs, the Democrats continue, having wasted $30 million of taxpayers' money on the Russian hoax, now proceeding with a Ukrainian hoax. This partisan witch hunt diverts attention from the President's successes. The unemployment rate remains at a record low. There is record job creation, and the stock market again today is thriving, showing that President Trump keeps his promises. In conclusion, God bless our troops, and we will never forget September 11th and the global war on terrorism. Gentleman from Georgia Reserve, gentleman from California is recognized. Speaker, I'm proud to recognize the gentleman from California, Mr. Gomez, for one minute. Gentleman from California is recognized. Mr. Speaker, we're here at this moment in our nation's history because the President abused the power of his office, bribed a foreign government to intrude into our democracy and engaged in an unprecedented campaign of obstruction of Congress to cover it up. Our credibility in the global community has been compromised. Our character and motivations are questioned. We know where the president's true loyalties lie, not with our constituents, not with our allies, but with our adversaries and himself. Abraham Lincoln once said, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Donald Trump has failed this test. And now our test is whether we will be a check on that power. Therefore, we must hold anyone to account, regardless of party or politics, who sets fire to the very institutions that define our nation and our values. And with this in mind, I will vote yes to impeach Donald J. Trump. I yield back. Gentleman from California yields. Gentleman from California reserved. Gentleman from Georgia is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield a minute and a half to the gentlewoman from North Carolina, Ms. Fox. Gentlewoman from North Carolina is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise in strong opposition to the process and to the resolution. When Congress sees fit to examine its solemn power of impeachment, it is imperative that it does so in genuine pursuit of justice fairly, transparently, and objectively. Anything less is unacceptable. This partisan impeachment has fallen far short of that. Sadly, Alexander Hamilton's prediction in Federalist Number 65 has come true, where he warned that, in many cases, it will connect itself with the pre-existing factions and will enlist all their animosities, partialities, influence, and interest on one side or on the other. And in such cases, there will always be the greatest danger that the decision will be regulated more by the comparative strength of parties than by the real demonstrations of innocence or guilt. After years of investigations, hearings, and millions of taxpayer dollars, Democrats found no proof that the president committed a crime. No proof, as the vague accusations in these articles clearly reflect. A basic prerequisite for impeachment, 
Impeaching for high crimes and misdemeanors is a charge that an actual crime was committed. These empty, baseless articles expose for the American people what this is, a desperate partisan attempt to avenge the loss of the Democrats' preferred candidate in 2016. We must respect American voters and reject these articles. The gentleman from Georgia. Reserves. Gentleman from California is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Just a quick fact check before I yield to the gentleman from Massachusetts. Uh, my colleagues uh, on the other side of the aisle claim that no Republican witnesses were allowed to testify. That is, of course, not correct. In the Intelligence Committee, three of the Republican requested witnesses testify. That is, one out of every four of the witnesses were Republican requested witnesses. That they incriminated the president did not make them any less requested by the minority. I'm now proud to recognize the gentleman from Massachusetts, uh, Mr. Keating, for one minute. The gentleman from Massachusetts is recognized. 